and welcome to the ET691 Internship Podcast with your host, Irene Bow. Welcome back to the ET691 Internship Podcast. The models of change are an important component of your internship. An analysis of your school or internship location and the learners you plan to work with through the models of change will help identify any issues you may run into and allow you to better plan for the change you're bringing to your school and location. This episode will dive into the different models of change, focusing on why and how you should use them within your internship. Today I'm with Dr. Amy McGinn, a lecturer in the Loyola EdTech program, talking about models of change. Welcome, Dr. McGinn. Hi, Irene. Thanks. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. I'm beginning my third year at Loyola um, as a lecturer in the EdTech program, and my educational background is in um, middle school and upper school in English, literature, and language arts. Before I came to Loyola, I taught seventh grade um, English for um, many years. Awesome. So let's get into some questions about models of change. So our first question for today is, what are models of change? The models of change that we cover in the EdTech program at Loyola include Rogers' Diffusion of Innovations Theory, which is based on how a technological innovation spreads throughout a community or an organization. The second one that we focus on is called Ely's Eight Conditions of Change. These are elements that need to be present in a community or organization for a change to happen in the most smooth and effective manner. Most, if not all, organizations will lack some of these. um, And knowing which ones your organization uh, is strong in and has weaknesses in will help as you plan for change in your organization. And the third model of change that we focus on is called um, ACOT. It's through the Apple Classrooms of Tomorrow. And uh, there are four levels that you use to kind of assess your, your organization or individuals within your organization to see how ready they are for um, implementing something new. Awesome. So when you say the word organization, um, do you mean like the school culture, the building, the, the faculty? What do you mean by the word organization? Well, historically speaking, the research into the change process is based in industry. It's based, uh, it began in agriculture and the, the knowledge that we gained from that was then applied to other, um, other fields. So when I say organization, uh, in general, I mean any type of, of kind of bound community. It could be a school, it could be a school district, it could be um, just a school building. So the, that's the organizational level um, when you're talking about the change process. Um, the individual level would be the individuals within that organization or within the community. So in, um, individual people and their um, process for change. Awesome. So for our interns um, in the EdTech program, they should think of organization as the group of people they plan to work with. Correct. That could even be a subset within their own school. I know that some interns end up, some end up, interns end up doing um, a project that focuses on like a specific department or a specific grade level, and that would be their organization for the purpose of the their project. 
Excellent. And for everyone that's listening, um, Amy just got a new puppy. So uh, he, he's romping around, enjoying, enjoying her house while we do this podcast. Um, so moving to the next question. Um, so you went over the main ones that we learned that are learned in the Loyola EdTech program. So why is it important to an- for our interns and for people to analyze their learners or school, their, the people they're working with uh, through the models of change? Um, That's a really good question. And the important part of this is that from previous research and studies, we know a great deal about the change process and about how it generally happens um, for individual people and for um, larger groups, organizations such as schools or businesses. So um, because of past studies that have been done, you, you essentially do not need to reinvent the wheel and figure out how your school is going to react to an innovation that you're trying to bring to it. So by using that information that we already know through either Rogers or Ely or the ACOP model, you can essentially um, make some predictions about how your, um, your group that you're working with is going to approach the innovation that you're bringing to them and the steps that you need to take to prepare to bring the innovation to your particular school. And if you plan ahead by using that information from an analysis of your current um, workplace, you you can set yourself up for success because you can um, um, you can anticipate potential issues that might occur, and you can plan to um, address those even before they happen. <laughs> Does that? Awesome. Yeah. So you've been using the word innovate, and I know a lot of our interns don't consider sometimes what they do as innovative. A lot of them do the more traditional <laughs> professional development, focus on a few tools or one tool, um, tech tool. And so, but when you use the word innovate, it's, are you, you're really talking about just any change within the building or any change within uh, like what they're bringing in their interview. Right, absolutely. Um, and I actually get this question a lot when I teach ET680 because people tend to use their tech planning paper as a springboard for their internship projects. And a lot of students are concerned that their ideas aren't, quote, innovative enough. And to be innovative, you don't have to use only the latest and greatest technologies. It's an innovation based on where you're beginning in your particular situation. So maybe your school is considering adopting uh, Google Classrooms and, and that will be an innovation for your particular school because it's something that they've never done before. So even though that is a technology that has been around for quite some time, it's still an innovation within that particular setting. Excellent. And you, you've talked about, um, you know, the kind of the why we should be using the models of change to plan for change, to plan for these innovations into our schools and uh, for our colleagues. So can you talk a little more on how we can use those models of change to plan for this change? Sure. Well, (laughs) to plan for the change for the change. Yes. (laughs) With Ely's eight conditions, one of the items is that resources need to be available for you to be able to implement your change. If you take a look at your particular school based on that condition and determine, well, 
I would really like to implement, say, one-to-one -one iPads, but we don't have the resources to use that, to do that, to gain access to those technologies. That is where you can make a decision about whether it's going to be a feasible project for your particular school. Maybe you use that information to go and apply for a grant to find funding to purchase one-to-one -one iPads. Maybe when you look at it, you realize, well, this is a good idea in theory, but in reality, I'm not going to be able to get those resources. And that's one of the conditions that is essential. So you, you can make decisions such as that based on um, the, the models of change. You also, in Ely's eight conditions, for example, challenging the status quo is one of the big, one of the first um, conditions that has to be available in your school to, to promote some kind of change. If everyone is perfectly happy with the way things are and they don't, don't see a need for an innovation or something new to come in and replace something that they're doing, that is is where you need to think about how you're going to pitch it to everyone to make them realize that what they're currently doing isn't the end all and be all and that there is something better. So by, by looking at your school through those different lenses, you're able to not only um, promote the change that you want to make, but you can do it in a very specific way depending on your school, your faculty that you're working with. Yeah, and so, yeah, so I'm throwing my pencil. Um, <laughs> so one thing I see, especially with the stat challenging the status quo example, um, for example, a school district in Baltimore just recently changed to Schoology. They went from one LMS to another LMS. So if your administrator or um, you decide to focus on that new LMS, with the status quo, you may have to focus on the new features that are available through the new platform, even though it's a district mandate, you're probably gonna make, you may have a lot of pushback because people are used to the old program, they're used to the old system, they, you know, they don't wanna have to learn a whole new system. So are you saying, so Amy, what are you saying, like focusing on the things that are better about the system that are different than what was before would kind of help with that status quo, challenging the status quo? Absolutely. And that also goes to the Rogers perceived attributes, which is part of the diffusion theory. The perceived attributes of an innovation are how people are going to respond to it. So even with something like Schoology, which is, is not something that um, anyone at the school level chose to implement, even though it was a mandate, you, you have to look at it through how it's being perceived by the teachers. And even, even if you have people coming to it with, um, with reluctance, you can focus on the elements that, that make it easier to use, that make it less time consuming, that, that you know, make, give you different um, maybe um, more accurate um, um, assessment data. You 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 focus on those those elements that are are um, what's the word I'm looking for? Different <laughs> that that are different, but in a positive way. 
Um, so you're, you're looking at the positives and pitching it so that people are able to, you know, see that side of it as opposed to, oh, I have to learn this new thing and it's not even going to be any better than what we currently have. Awesome. Excellent. So are the interns or anyone that's wanting to implement change within their school or a new program or anything that's coming up, even if it's district mandated or something that they really want to see within their school, um, what are the first steps they should take with these models of change? The first steps that you should take is stepping back actually and taking a broad look at what currently is going on in your school and thinking about who are the best people to have on your team to make the change. You have to get all of the stakeholders involved that can um, be a positive force for you. And you're going to take what you already know currently about your own situation and think about, you know, going through the different steps of each model of change, literally going through and making notes about, well, I think this many teachers are probably going to react this way to, you know, this technology. And what am I going to need to bring them, you know, through that to the other side? So you really do need to sit down and do a, a pretty detailed analysis of your, your specific school, your specific teachers you're going to be working with. That's step one. Awesome. Um, and we didn't really talk that much about the ACOP model, the Apple Classrooms of Tomorrow. Um, but I've seen a lot of interns use the ACOT and kind of and survey or poll their teachers to self-identify. So their teachers self-identify where they fall on the ACOP model. Do you suggest asking the teachers or the educators you're working with to self-identify or to, for you to identify where they fall? Um, I don't think it's a bad idea to have teachers self-identify. I think that can be informative if you have that sort of metacognition about your own learning and your own stage of um, using a particular technology. I think it's even more useful for someone like our interns who may be planning professional development to have a broader look at the, um, the group that they're going to be working with. If you have 90% of your teachers in the entry stage of ACOT, you're going to plan a very different PD than if you have a handful at entry, most at adoption, and a good chunk at adaption. Um, you may need to plan, you know, three different levels of professional development if you have a wide variety. And quite honestly, that's what you're going to have. You will have a variety of people. And although you, you may, you, you, your instinct may be to play to the middle, that leaves out two very important groups, the people that are very innovative and the people that need to develop those basic technology skills. So using your, the ACOP model to plan, you know, some specific activities to meet the needs of the learners is, is very important. So even though, you know, for your learners to have that information, it's helpful, but it's even more helpful for you as an intern as you're, um, you know, planning what you want to do with your learners. 
and you framed that was excellent and you framed that within like a pd model and we have a lot of interns that don't necessarily do pd models so they'll for example for a few examples they will uh, do more coaching one-to-one -one coaching or they will um create a makerspace for the school or a genius bar or things like that how does the acop model fit within um less pd model Absolutely. Well, I, I kind of consider all of that learning professional development, even if it's not a formal face-to-face -face sit and get type of, um, you know, instructional model, even those informal learning experiences, knowing, knowing who, knowing your audience is, is basically what this is all about. If you have someone who has, has only heard the word makerspace and doesn't know what it is and can't even fathom why they would want to use it they're going to be at the entry level and you're going to need to plan accordingly to help those teachers learn you know what 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 they need to know to be able to get to the adoption and adaption and and so forth so i i honestly think that in in a in an instructional model that's more informal like this, this is the ACOT model is even more important because if you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone or even with a small group and you are totally disconnected from what they need, it's gonna be a very difficult situation and your learners are not gonna have a good experience. Um, I, would, I would compare that to if, if you walked into um, a kindergarten class and you had a lesson for fifth graders and you it, that's just incompatible so you you really need to know your know your learners awesome and i, I love your statement knowing your audience is really what it's all about that was um i completely agree and um i think the models of change can get you help you get to know your audience a little bit better well dr mcginn thank you so much for joining me today to chat about models of change do you have any um last last suggestions or advice for our interns I would say um, good luck, <laughs> work hard, don't give up, and it will, it will get done. <laughs> You're almost finished. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today. On our next episode, we will dive into evaluating your participants' learning. Have a great week of teaching and learning, and thanks for listening.